Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. God says faith is being faithful. Faith-filled. Psalms 101.6 says, Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. That they may dwell with me, that he that walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. So God's eyes are turned towards the faithful. And you can't separate the two. Faith and faithful. Means steadfast, means devout, means dependable. In marriage, that's true in marriage. It's the vow that you take. You say, uh, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, in poorer and poorer, till death do us part. To richer and poor, excuse me. In business, there's hotels, there's gas stations that give you rewards based on your loyalty. In death, people leave goods to those who are the most loyal. They say, to my devoted wife, I leave. To my loving children, I leave nothing. It's a foundation of good relationships, especially the one with God. Being dependable. I like when people come up to me and I tell them I'm a minister. I like when they come up to me and they tell me, hey, I have a, a brother that's a pastor or I have a, um, an uncle who's a, a chaplain or a minister. And I like when they say that because I ask them a couple questions. First, the question I ask is I want to see if they're a pastor. So I say, where do they, uh, where do they minister? And they'll tell me the name of the church or the ministry. And my second question is I say, I ask, the, I ask how long have they been there? Because I want to know how loyal they've been to their post. And when they say, oh, they've been there 25 years, I instantly have, even though I've never met them, time I have a respect for them. Because I know that they've, they've been dependable. They've been somebody that's trustworthy. They've gone through the seasons of life, and they're still going for Jesus. So I want to talk to you today about being loyal to Jesus. Now look at John 6. Go to verse 53. Come back a little bit. John 6 and verse 53, if I can tell you what's happened up to this point, Jesus is in the crux of his ministry. It's just getting going. Bible tells us that, that he's really, there's this power of God is going forth. People are being healed. People are being delivered. He just got done feeding the 5,000. So, I mean, people are just in awe of Jesus. And, I, and so he comes, he begins to preach a sermon. Now look at verse number 53, and it will pick up the sermon that Jesus is preaching. Are you there? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. That could possibly be the strangest sermon ever preached. But let's, let's, let's continue on in verse 60. Let's see what happens as a result. He says, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? 
Jesus knew in himself that the disciples complained about this. He said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he is before? It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. He said, therefore, I have said unto you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go also? Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Jesus has just preached the... Can you imagine the disciples as they're hearing Jesus preach this sermon? Oh, my goodness. Not the eat my flesh, drink my blood sermon again. I mean, things are beginning to move. Things are beginning to happen. Their crowds are beginning to come. And all of a sudden, Jesus begins, and, and to the groan and the dismay of the disciples, preach this particular sermon. I'm sure they're confused. I'm sure they're anguished as people begin to leave one by one because of this sermon that Jesus is preaching. And instead of backtracking, what does Jesus do? He doubles down, doesn't he? As the other disciples are leaving, he turns to the 12 and said, y'all going to go too? So what was Jesus doing? Why did he preach that sermon? Why did he conduct himself that particular way? Because he was trying to weed out the ones who were the pretenders and trying to get to the contenders. And the way he was doing that, he was trying to find who will be those who will be loyal to me even when they don't understand what I'm saying or doing. Do you understand that sometimes God does that for me and you? Sometimes he does things that just blow our minds, that we don't understand. We can't comprehend why he's doing it. Sometimes he says things that we just really don't understand. But what he's trying to do is trying to get us to, to the place where we become loyal even when we don't understand what he's doing or what he's saying. He's answering the question, who will, he's answering the question, who will be loyal to Jesus? That's what I'm trying to do. In this life, to be faithful to God. Isn't that your, your desire as well? I'm just trying to be faithful to God. Whatever assignment He gives me, whatever task I'm, 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 He gives to me, what I'm trying to do is be faithful with that particular task. Because when I stand before Him, what will He say? Well done, good and faithful servant. You say, well, I'm not ever going to preach to the masses. He didn't ask you to preach to the masses. He just asked you to be faithful. Well, I just all I do is wipe noses all day with all these babies. It's okay. He's just asking you to be faithful to wipe the noses. The bad thing about God is God's not so concerned about who the brightest and the greatest is. He's just concerned about who the most loyal is. God's looking for somebody he can lean on. Isn't that interesting? He's looking on somebody who he can depend upon. Somebody who he can be trustworthy to. Somebody that's faithful to him. Listen, it doesn't matter what they say in this world. I know that there's a world out there that's telling us you can't be faithful to Jesus. I'm going to be faithful anyway. They saying you can't pray, don't matter, I'm going to pray anyway. They say that you can't proclaim him, it's okay, it doesn't matter, I'm going to proclaim him anyway. They say that you can't act this particular way, you can't worship this particular way. It doesn't matter because I'm still going to praise Him. 
If they say you can't tweet, you can't post, you can't do it this way, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be faithful to Jesus because I'm going to see him one day face-to-face at our annual review, and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I like what David said. Do you know this world is antichrist? You know that, don't you? The world is against Christ. They're not anti-Buddha. They're not anti-Mohammed. They're not even anti-God. They're anti-Christ. And so what we see here, but I like what, 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 what David said. When he, the day he got done, it's in 2 Samuel chapter 16, and he got done worshiping God as the Ark of the Covenant had come back into the city. And he got so excited worshiping God that he took off his, his priestly robe and began to dance before the presence of God, before the Ark of the Covenant. His, one of his wives was looking out at him, and she was so upset that he had done something like that, that the king had acted so in such an un, unkingly manner. And when he came home, she said something to him. She said, how was the king today? And David said something that I think is really incre- incredible because he says, you know what? You may think that I was acting crazy, but you hadn't seen nothing yet. If you think that was something, wait till tomorrow. If you think that was something, wait till next week. Listen, if you say, I can't pray like this, you hadn't seen anything yet. If you say, I can't worship God like this, you hadn't seen anything yet. So there's a world that's against Christ and a world that is not loyal to Jesus, but God's just looking for a few faithful people. Go to verse 61. Here's one of the first problems that the, those that were unfaithful to him in this moment, the problem that they came across. First thing Jesus had to deal with in verse 61, he had to deal with offense. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? See, faithful people are not easily offended. Faithful people are not easily offended. I've got a brother, a friend. <laughs> I've got a friend, and from the earliest, of his kids got children, and he's taught them from the earliest age, he's taught them to not be offended. And then they're, they're 8, 9, 10 years old. He teaches them not to, to take it up. He says things like this. He says, you can choose to be offended or you can choose not to be offended. It's up to you. Every day you're given this Choice of whether you will or whether you won't take up this offense or hold a grudge. And he says it like this, don't pick it up. When it comes your way, don't pick it up. Just let it go on by. Choose to forgive. Choose to let it go. Choose not to be offended. And I think that also, not only did Jesus preach that to them, but it should be preached to us today. Church people, don't pick it up. Choose not to be offended at your spouse. Choose not to be offended to your, your parents. Choose not to be offended to co-workers. Choose not to be offended by those at church. Somebody has kids, and they, just, they don't want to work in the nursery. Don't hold that against them. Choose not, don't take it up. Choose not to be offended. Someone talks about your kids. Somebody overlooks your kids. Somebody's rude to your child. Don't pick it up. Don't take that up and offer forgiveness. Somebody doesn't like your idea. 
You give and others don't. You serve and others don't. You're dependable and others others aren't. But still, even in the midst of that, don't carry that offense and hold on to it. Let it go. There's a whole world out there that's offended by the way people act, the way people talk, the way people sound. Don't choose to hold on to that offense. Some people right now are offended because I'm preaching on being offended. And Jesus knew this. If he was going to have 12 people who were going to shake the world, they had to be trustworthy. They had to be faithful. They had to be loyal. There were going to be 12. The 11 of the 12 were going to be martyred. They couldn't be those that easily got easily held a grudge or easily got their feelings hurt. They were going to have to be 12 men who he could trust. So he had to weed everybody out to find those who were loyal. You know, that's what God does today when he's looking for people. The Bible says, moreover, of a steward is required that he be found faithful. Somebody that will just show up again. Somebody that just won't give up up. Somebody just keeps on keeping on. When everybody else is stopped, they're just steady. They're just on t- or dependable. I was going to say on time, but I'm late myself. So God's looking for some people who are loyal in their heart to Jesus. There's some things that Jesus, has sa- Jesus says that he wants us to be loyal to. Some words of Jesus he wants us to be loyal to. I'm about to say some things, but I just trust that y'all could handle it. Matter of fact, I know you can handle it. That's why I think I, I, think I can preach it. But when, when the world, when we say this, that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven, because John 14, 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You just made umpteen hundreds of billions of people angry. Because you've said exclusively, Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Be faithful and loyal to that truth. When it it says, the Bible says, you must be born again, John 3 and 5. Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. There has to be a transformation that takes place in a born again child of God. It's that, it's that experience where you go from darkness to light, from unrighteousness to righteousness, where something you don't just agree to some kind of creed, you don't just join a club, but you truly return from your ways and accept Christ and become a brand new person. What about good people? Don't good people go to heaven? Don't you know just good little old ladies go to heaven? You must be born again. What about the cost to follow Jesus? There's a price to this thing we're doing. Oh, everybody wants to join on to the, the popular crowd. Everybody wants to join in to that good group of people. They want to be around moral people and make them upstanding in the community. To, to the community. But Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. There's a price to following Jesus, a cost to following Jesus. He says the love we feel for our families, the love we feel for our spouse, the love we feel for our ch- children, is, it should be compared, should be hatred compared to the devotion and love we have for Jesus. I put in my notes, there probably won't be a whole lot of shouting right now, but just keep on, you're doing good. The world will scoff at this. 
They'll mock this. They'll ask us to walk back these statements. But God asks for our loyalty to Christ and to his words. Loyalty to Jesus is not just loyalty to his words, but it's also loyal to his ways. Chuck Smith says it like this of this particular passage. He said they couldn't handle it. It was too much. When he starts talking about the denial of the flesh, when he starts talking about the life of the Spirit and the partaking of spiritual things, it was too much for some people. They couldn't handle it. Many of them were following him because they were desiring that he establish the kingdom now, that he overthrow the Roman yoke of government, that he bring to pass a kingdom of plenty where everybody would eat and drink to be there to their full. Every man could eat his own vine and fig tree, would eat and not be afraid, and they were wanting that kingdom of material prosperity. And he's denouncing that as secondary. The primary thing is the spiritual kingdom, partaking of, of him, finding life that comes from Christ, the life of God imparted to man through Jesus Christ. The flesh will profit you nothing but the words that I speak, their spirit, their life. And so they couldn't handle it. They went back and they walked no more with him. They'd ate the, they'd ate the, the five, the bread. They'd seen the miracles, but when it came to realizing what the cost was to follow Jesus, the Bible says they came no more. Loving loving God is loving what he loves. And Jesus loves some certain things. First of all, he loves you with an undying kind of love. I pray this on a regular basis that, that, that you understand how much Jesus loves you, cares for you, that you'll get it on the inside, the, the comparison, that the love that you feel for, for like a, a friend, the love that you feel for a family, but that you get a glimpse of how deeply, desperately Jesus loves you. He loves this church. He loves the body of Christ, the people of God. He loves it so deeply. He calls it his bride. He calls himself the groom and the church is the bride of Christ. He cares so deeply about the church that he's willing to do all kinds of things to, to keep it up and run. He even said, I'll build it and the gates of hell won't even overcome it because he does desperately loves this church. I love his ways. He loves, his, loves you. He loves this church. And he wants us to love him. Even when we love in him, and when loving him doesn't go along with our politics. Even when loving him is different from how we, about self-denial. There's a world out there that's telling the church it's okay to get drunk. It's okay to have all kinds of illicit sex. There's a, there's a world out there that's telling the church that it's okay to live like the world because we live by grace. Don't be disloyal to Christ's words. Loyalty to Jesus is also being loyal to his ways. Her name was Maria. I'd first come to Christ, and she was a girl that I'd met. And I got and through a series of circumstances, we got to go start going out. I don't know what they call it today, but back then it was calling going together. Going steady, talking going out, snapping one another, whatever they call it today, that's what it was called back then. But there was a problem because Maria was not a Christian. 
And I was brand new in my faith. And so I went to an Assemblies of God church and I listened to the pastor. And that particular day, he was preaching on relationships. He was talking about this, and he gave this particular scripture. He said, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And the more he talked, the more I felt like he was talking right to me. As I listened to him, I was like, wait a minute. This is, this is not really what God has designed for, for a Christian is to date a non-Christian. And that was foreign to me, but I couldn't deny what I read and what I saw. So I had to make a decision in that moment. And I listen, I, I know that that's, some people think that you know, Christians can date non-Christians and, and things like that. And I know there are people who have married non-Christians and God's turned it around and made a great story and all that. But but. I couldn't deny what the Bible had said right here. And so as I read that, I thought, i got to break up with this girl. I got to. And I can't do that. I mean, God tells me clearly what to do, so I go over to her house that day and tell her I was going to break up with her. And she said these words. Melanie, she said, I'm not going to become a Christian just to date you. That hurt my feelings. I thought I was wonderful. Apparently I wasn't. She said, so if you think I'm going to become a Christian, I'm not. And, and the conversation just got worse from there. She put my picture up on her wall and throw darts at it. I didn't know people really did that, but she actually did that. And Maria just really was not interested in me or not interested in my God. And so I thought, my goodness, there's a cost to following Jesus because I did kind of like her. But the good thing about the, the, following the cost is that there's always a reward on the other side of it. See, because many times when there's a test of faithfulness, there always precedes a breakthrough. Did y'all get that? Sometimes when there's a test of faithfulness, when God puts that right out in front of you just to see what you're going to do with it, because on the other side, there's a promised land. Guess who I married two months later? No, excuse me, not married. Good night. Guess who I met two months later? Leanne. 27 years later. I always go back to that moment when it was almost like a test. It's kind of the test, you know, that Abraham had when he had to offer up Isaac. It was like the test that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said when they were going to be put in the fiery furnace. It was the test like when Daniel was going to be thrown into the lion's den. It was the test when Jesus was in the garden and he got a, he got a, Satan tried to give him another alternative to, to dying on the cross. It's the same thing that God gives all of us at different times in our life, the chance to be loyal and to be faithful. Because that's really what he's after. Faithfulness to Jesus. See, faithfulness does bring a reward. He said, see, we, this is Peter's words in Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, and I'll close. He said, see, we've left everything and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Jesus said to him, I say to you that in the regeneration when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands or Maria for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. See, the thing is, is my business mind kind of clicks in right here. Y'all ready for this, Pat? I was talking to Pat. 
He says, if you're faithful in this life, I'll reward you in the next life. If you're, if you're loyal in this span of time, he said, I'll, I'll reward you in this span of time. Now, my business mind thinks that's a pretty good investment right there. If I'm loyal over here to Jesus, over there, I don't know what he's got for me over there, but I know it's going to be something that's going to be something that people will talk about for years. People will say, oh, do you remember the time when you just had to be faithful over there and you just had to be dependable over there and you had to be loyal to Christ over there? What God's done for you over here. The Bible says God is not seen, ear is not heard, near is the ear of the heart of man, what God has for those prepared for those who love him. So for those loyal, faithful followers right here, there's something on the other side of this waiting on you. That's good news. Anybody who says, God, give me a loyal heart. Come on, rise up with me. Right with you, or would you just tell God right where you are? Say, God, I pray for that loyal heart. God, let me be faithful in the name of Jesus. God, in this life, this little small span of life that I have, let it be known of me that I was one of the 12. I was one of those that said, Lord, you alone hold the keys to life. Let me be the one, God, that pushes aside unbelief, pushes aside the world, pushes aside everything that is antichrist and stands for God in this day, in this generation. God, I pray for Bethel today. Let everyone, every boy, every girl, every man, every woman be that counted in that faithful following God to find Christ in this life and be dedicated to him and to his ways and to his words because there's something waiting us on the other side of glory and I pray that God in Jesus name in Jesus name thank you for listening to today's message we pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the word of God and grows your faith if you would like to reach out to us please visit our website at www.mybethel.net Thank you.